Welcome to Giving Grief a Voice, hosted by Maureen Desmond. Maureen is founder of Navigating Through Loss, a grief coaching and consulting business that guides and supports people through significant change and loss. In this podcast, Maureen and each of her guests explore their own real-life loss journeys and the various paths that led them through pain to find meaning in their struggles and to face their personal fears and emotions. Welcome, listeners. Today, I'm here with Kevin and Sharon Amos to talk about the tragic deaths of their beloved son, Dan, and their beloved daughter, Natalie, in two separate accidents, only five years apart. Together, they give their candid voices to their own personal experiences as husband and wife and as a father and a mother. What they share is truly remarkable. Good morning, Kevin and Sharon. Thanks so much for being here today to share your story. And you have quite a heartbreaking story, a life story of losing two of your adult children within the last six years, and one as recent as seven months ago. This is incomprehensible, yet you are finding some way to continue to live your lives, whether it's one hour at a time, one day, one week, because that's all we can really do sometimes when we're going through the heaviest grief. I honor you for your courage and strength that you're sharing your story with us today. So let's begin with a little bit about the two of you and how you met, how you've blended families, a little bit about what you do, and then we'll dive into your story. Okay. Thanks for having us on your podcast. We appreciate it. Um, We met through Christian Mingle, the website, and uh, it was touch and go. My very first contact with her, she uh, shut me down pretty good. (laughs) Uh, mostly because I, I lived about two hours away. And my experience had been that that did not work with having a, a two-hour away um, relationship. So I was not eager to jump back into something like that again. So I, in desperation, said, well, you know, give it a chance. How about just, you know, g- give it a shot, just just one date or something. And uh, she surprised me by, by saying, yes, okay, how about... Like, it's like, how about in two days? It was very quick. I wasn't, so she just wanted to get me over with, pretty much. (laughs) All right, come on up here. We'll meet at Annapolis and uh, we'll get this over with. So I immediately ran out and bought some new shoes because some, this phrase, the shoes make the man, (laughs) kept coming in my head. So I went out, bought some new shoes and uh, I contacted my son, Dan. And said, do these look okay? Would, would, would a, would a woman like these if I show up wearing, and my son was the, he was like the, the, he dressed, whatever Impeccably. the phrase is. Yeah, he, he, he was a, he was very much a clothes guru and watches and shoes and all that. So he's like, yeah, dad, that'll work. And so we, uh, we met in Annapolis at a restaurant. True. And that was, and <clears throat> I, I, um, I guess made his heart flutter a little bit at the end of the date where I gave him a kiss on the cheek and, um, and I walked to my car and Kevin can tell you. Yeah, the the kiss on my cheek really got me. It it um, sent me in another realm 
because I'm, I pride myself on being a gentleman. And I, I, I let her walk to the car herself by herself. I didn't even walk her to her car. I, I was smitten almost immediately. And I, I floated on a cloud to my car driving down the road. And I'm thinking, wow, that felt so right. That felt like, you know, I've known her forever. And then I almost hit the brakes because when I went, ah, I didn't even walk her to her car. <laughs> I love that. Oh, you were smitten from the beginning. That is so beautiful. How about you, Sharon? Did you think, he didn't even walk me to the car? <laughs> no, at that time it didn't. However, at subsequent dates that came very quick, um, there, then thereafter, um, we met in March and we were engaged by May. Um, so for us at the stage in our life and being the people who we are, processors and um, take things one step and plan and, um, you know, make sure things are all right for us that that March to May was just we know that God brought us together and um, and we were married in December um, right thereafter. So it was a whirlwind romance. What a beautiful story. Oh my gosh. Thank you for sharing that. That makes my heart flutter. Thank you. So how about your professions or hobbies? A little bit into that. Go ahead, Sharon. Okay. Um, I have, I knew when I was six, I wanted to be a teacher and uh, I ended up going into teaching. Um, I've been teaching it for 38 years so um, it's just, it's my passion. It's what God's gifted me to do. And, um, and after 38 years, I can, I can say that I am on the way out. I'm, I will retire in a few years. So um, I, I'm, I'm ready for that next step as well. Wow, that is so impressive and so beautiful. We need we need teachers. Kindergarten, kindergarten. Yeah, you're you're starting them out right, and that is such an important age. And they're lucky to have had you for 38 years. Well, thanks. And maybe a couple more. Maybe a couple more. That's terrific. And and Kevin, you had shared with me that you perform sometimes. What do you do? Yeah, one of my hobbies is uh, playing guitar and singing out at the local establishments in the area. So. Uh, you could find me on a Friday night or a Saturday night at a, a local pub or a restaurant uh, providing you know, music and entertainment while folks you know, enjoy themselves. So that's, that's a passion of mine. Music is a passion of mine. Oh, that's wonderful. So important, too. So I'll have to find out where you're playing. <laughs> so thank you so much for sharing. If there's anything else, please let me know. We can, we can continue on that way. But I, I did want to... Just start into the story of what what you have endured. And I can start with either one of you. I was thinking of starting with Kevin just to sort of tell us about what happened with Dan and his wife, Kayla. Tell me a little bit about what happened and how that played out. Sure. Uh, Dan and Kayla uh, were married in August of 2015. Uh, it was a great wedding. We had a great time. Um, six months later, it was Valentine's Day. So February 14th of 2016, 
Uh, they drove to Annapolis to take themselves out for Valentine's Day, uh, buy each other some presents, have dinner. Uh, they lived in southern Maryland, down in Calvert County, but they came up um, <clears throat> to Annapolis to have a, a Valentine's Day celebration. And it's, it's, it's not an anniversary, but they were celebrating their six-month-versary of, of being together for six months. Um, on the way home... Uh, they were uh, hit head-on by a young woman who was uh, under the influence of drugs, um, and she crossed the center line, kept on coming, kept on coming. He, he swerved, ended up still getting, because she was swerving, and, and they were like swerving in the same direction, and just a head-on collision um, on their way home that, that evening, and... Uh, he uh, was pronounced dead at the scene, and they flew his wife Kayla to shock trauma in Baltimore, uh, where she uh, succumbed to her injuries as well and died early the next morning. So um, we, uh, we, <laughs> we were living in Stevensville, and we were watching a movie, and uh, it gets dark early, so I guess... I don't even know what time it was. Seven. It was uh, seven, eight o'clock at night. It was eight, eight thirty ish. Okay, is when we got the knock on the door. And the police knock on the door, and they, <clears throat> the way they, the way they do it is, is I feel bad for them. How, how do you do something like that? How do you tell somebody that? Um, you know, they started out by saying, are, "Are are you familiar with this car?" And I'm like, "Yes, I know this car." And so this is your son Daniel's car. Yes, it's my son Daniel's car. And you're his father. Yes, I'm his father. What's this about? And then then being told that he was in a car crash and didn't survive. And then everything just goes... Crazy. Yeah, everything just, just goes... You, you get... I don't even know how to describe it. Um, you get... The worst gut punch you could ever imagine of, of a gut punch, and you, your mind just goes, um, I don't know, your mind just goes crazy. I, I can't even describe it, but um, we, we had to, um, they didn't know um, how to contact Kayla's parents. So um, Sharon and I are, we're on our second marriage, so I, I had to call my, my first wife, Ingrid, I had to break the news to her over the phone in order to then ask her for Kayla's information because for some reason I, I didn't have it in my or I'm, I wasn't thinking straight that that's for sure. Uh, so I, I said, we need to get in touch with Kayla's parents. So we got that information. We gave it to the police officers. Then we got in the car and drove to the hospital and we're the first ones there um, to be with Kayla. And we were, you know, greeting her parents when they came and her family and her friends and everybody kind of showed up to the hospital and then we just hung out with Kayla and we prayed with her family and with her and she was struggling and it, the doctors gave her no no shot and so we ended up telling her just to go home go home and be with be with Dan and uh, so she 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 passed away that early that morning oh my goodness Yeah, I mean, it's, it's that, like you had said, 
an experience that no one wants to have to go through. And just even the fact that you shared, you felt sorry for the people that came to tell you that shows how empathetic you are and how, what a deep heart you have. And it, yeah, the words chaotic and numbness and blur, you know, sort of come to mind in those moments. I, I will tell you that you, in, in, in the politest manner I can say this, and I do not mean to be judgmental to any of the parents out there, please know my heart is not a judgmental heart, but when I was told my son is dead, the depth of pain and anguish revealed to me that I really had no idea how much I really loved my son. And I find myself saying to parents, you know you love your children, but trust me, you have no idea how much you love your children. And that was what was revealed to me when when he was gone and that flood of pain and emotion and anguish when I was able to assess that a little bit later, it was like, my God, I thought I loved my son, but I have no, I, I had no idea the depth of love I had for my son. Yes. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. You're so right. Because you only know when you have that kind of loss, you, you can't, you can't, we can't grasp that. We don't want to grasp what that feels like. So thank you for sharing that. And Sharon, as you being Kevin's wife and support and, of course, loving Dan, how, how was that for you to experience it from that side at that time? When the officers told us the news, uh, Kevin, I think they said, didn't, they said Dan didn't make it. And the officers and Kevin questioned, what do you mean? What, what does that mean? Um, I remember him asking, um, what does that mean? And, um, you know, them coming into the house because they needed the other information and Kevin just pacing, um, and, and groaning. And, um, it's a, it's just a guttural, um, moan and crying. Um, I, I can see where he is on, on the island, on the kitchen island in our house at that time. And there were lights overhead. And it's just like in my head, I see, I just see him heaped over the island and like this light just shining down on him. That's just my vision of him, um, in, in grief. So for, um, I guess, um, it, it was agonizing to watch somebody that you love go through that so much pain and, and the shock of it all in that moment. And then as, as the, you know, the day goes on and the next few days and things come along, um, you're watching and you're loving and you're, um, trying to meet all the needs that you can feel like need to be met and see that need to be met. Um, and you think 
that you're loving them the best way you can, and you are loving them the best way you can. Um, but I've come to understand that there is no no depth of empathy or sympathy that I thought that I was giving to Kevin that came close to um, what, in reality, what, until you feel it, you cannot understand the depth of that loss. And I think um, until I had my loss of my daughter, Natalie, I did not under, truly understand what Kevin was going through. I was watching him and I was feeling it with him, but I did not feel it like he felt it. Thank you for sharing that. We just never know. We don't want to know. We can't know. And why these types of conversations are so important to have, as painful as they can be, as much as some people don't want and wouldn't want to hear about it. It's too hard. It's too tough. But this is part of life. And we're not the greatest at society dealing with the impact of what grief can do to us and the need that we have. We can't just, we just can't stop the world. We have to continue to live and pick up. And of course, we want to do that, but, but it's difficult. It's hard. I, say, I call them down on the floor in the fetal position moments, right? Right. We, we had those, and we have those. Yeah. How did you know? That, that is the position. <laughs> yes. And, and it's important to share as deeply raw as that is. It's, it's something that everyone can, can picture, the fetal position on the floor, sobbing. And that is very real. And it doesn't end after the funeral. It doesn't end after the first year anniversary. It can happen for the rest of your life. It probably spreads out, but it still can happen. And so the depth of pain and loss is so real. And I, I appreciate you expressing it the way that you did and sharing that story. Very, very difficult. So tell me about your other children. Like, how did that come into play, if you're comfortable with that? Speaking about Dan and Kayla, then I'll, I'll go first and, and say that Dan has an older sister. <clears throat> and they were seven years apart. And as they grew older and matured, they became each other's best friend. Um, they were saving baby clothes. They, they had an ongoing bet who's going to be, because she's married, who's going to have the, be the first one to have a baby. And whoever is gets all these clothes we're saving together. And um, they say that Dan was wise beyond his years, that both of them were so much yeah, more mature than their age. He was 21 and she was 20 when they were, when they were killed in the crash. So, but they had found the one in their life that they wanted to be with forever. They had found the job they wanted to find and, and he was living and, and doing what he wanted to do. They both were, it's like they lived a lifetime in their 20 and 21 years. But yes, his wisdom was something that was sought after by many people, his friends and, of course, his sister. So the pain I feel for my daughter, Jessica, 
is more than the pain I feel for myself. I can see the loss. I can see and feel her her loss. She she was rocked to her core, devastated. Um, it it was just so painful to watch and she lost her best friend, she lost her brother, she lost um, wise counsel, she lost someone she would speak to on late at night. Um, it, it's devastating. I, I, I tear up more thinking about what she's lost. The impact on the f- whole family, right? It's like it's, it's you and then it's all of the people that you love and you're all going through that pain. It's just so uh, pain on top of pain on top of pain. It's so overwhelming. Yeah. Sharon, how about you? What is, did you want to? Um, for, for, for me, um, we have Amanda is my oldest daughter. Natalie was in the middle and Ryan is, um, the youngest. So, um, at the time of Natalie's death, um, 30, Amanda was 30, Natalie was 27 and Ryan 24. So, um, we are next week will be nine months and, um, so we are still in a shock phase, um, in a numb phase, in a fetal pay- phase, um, depending upon the day. Um, the I think in the beginning when um, the accident happened for my Natalie, um, my son was living here at home with us, with Kevin and I in, in our home, and my mom lives here. Uh, so Ryan was in the middle of watching me, um, you know, just have that, that loss. So he was, um, he saw it daily. He, you know, he was able, he had to go back to work. He was in school. Um, he works and, and does school part-time. Um, I am a teacher, so uh, I did not return. I, I did initially say that I was going to be out for two weeks. Um, and at the, you know, somewhere midway point, I knew there was no no feasible way that I could go back in um, for the rest of the school year. So from middle of April until June, I, I was not in school. I was home trying to process the loss. For, for Ryan, um, he has since m- moved out. He uh, has a place with his, his serious girlfriend, and, and we're really happy for them. My daughter, Amanda, um, was not here, you know, lived separately um, was uh, newly engaged and um you know for her she still had to go to work um she but she was uh, she was not here in the house where you know the officers knocked on the door they she was so i think she would probably even say she felt a little bit more disconnected 
from that guttural pain or that she she wasn't here that night that it happened, uh, that we got the knock on the door. Um, I think um, she, I know, is, is seeking some outside counseling and, and trying to deal with that loss in the midst of her getting married. You know, what a, what a, a dichotomy of, of feelings, feeling, you know, being, being so excited about um, planning a wedding and being engaged and, and having the wedding date. We had the wedding in September, um, you know, for after the loss of her sister in April. So, um, so there are lots of conflicting um, feelings and emotions that she's riding. And for my Ryan, uh, the same. It's um, probably he is... Uh, it, he has stuffed it for right now. I think it, it's, that's where he is. It's, it's stuffed right now. Yeah, I, I get that, that word, that expression. Yeah, sometimes we just, we just feel like if I open this little door, it's just going to explode, right? Yeah, yeah. And I want to go back, if you're comfortable with this, and talk about that night, it sounds like it was very similar to what you experienced when with Dan's passing. I mean, my goodness. So tell me a little bit more about that if you're comfortable talking about it. Okay. I guess something I wanted to say prior to starting that is that Kevin and I um, always prayed for our children. Uh, you know, we, we prayed for that hedge of protection and um, the loss of Dan and Kayla rocked us, um, rocked, rocked us. And so being, um, being honest, we have said to one another, um, we are we are those people. We are those people out in society where they have that loss. We we knew of other people, you know, who had tragic loss, um, but now we are those people. And so um, it it was said that you know it it we never thought it could happen to us, and it did. And so you know if it can happen to us that how, you know, it, but what could happen, could it happen again? And so, um, so my daughter, Natalie had come home for the weekend. She lived in, she lives in Stanton, Virginia with her, um, best friend, Stephanie, and they share a house. And, um, she had come home on a Friday. She had worked and then come home. So we had dinner as a family. My mom was here. Uh, my son was here, Kevin and I, and we had dinner. Um, we, you know, did our family stuff, having her in, um, Saturday. It was, um, my mom goes out to work on Saturday mornings. And so, um, Natalie and I, um, 
you know, just hung out in the, for breakfast, and she was supposed to go and meet her sister Amanda early afternoon, so she was planning to leave out about 11-ish on Saturday before her return trip um, home because she had to work early su the Sunday morning, um, and it's about a four-and-a-half-hour drive. So she, um, her sister, getting ready for the wedding was... Um, was just a little overwhelmed and she said I don't think I can do an early lunch you know let's do it why don't you come over a little later so that gave Natalie and I a little more time together so we went to the thrift store looking for bargains um, which is a passion of both her and mine and uh, we came back home and um, we laid on our couches in the living room and we just read um, which is another, the house was quiet, which she loved and I loved. Um, and, and then about one thirty, you know, she, she checked the clock and said, okay, you know, mom, it's time for, it's time for me to go. So, um, so, you know, I can see and I see it daily exactly where I stood in our living room and, uh, gave her a hug and she had this long, thick ponytail and I can just remember grabbing it and, um, hugging her and just sliding my hand down her ponytail and, and saying goodbye and I love you and have fun with your sister. And so, you know, she went out, she, she met with her sister, and uh, they had, you know, a light dinner and tea. Tea is their thing, so tea was important to them. And uh, she left Amanda's house um, around 5.30. Um, so the accident happened in, uh, in Virginia about an hour away from her home in Stanton. Um, at about 8.30. So uh, when she left our home and left Maryland, it was not, it was not a rainy day, but in Virginia it was, um, according to the officer um, who we ended up hearing from, is um, that it had it been torrentially raining um, down in Virginia all day. And, um, and Natalie, uh, they didn't believe you know, speed was an impact. You know, the um, cell phone was not an impact. It was in her purse, um, zippered purse tucked somewhere. They found it in the accident scene afterwards. Um, she ended up hydroplaning off of the interstate and um, her car hit a, um, a ditch ravine um, and it flipped six times, and um, and she was pronounced uh, a passerby saw. I guess the um, maybe the end part of the accident. No one stopped. They just called in the accident report, and she was pronounced dead at the scene. Um, so that was eight thirty, and uh, we had. In the meanwhile, my mom had come home from work. We didn't know this at this point. Uh, it was my mom's 82nd birthday that day. So uh, Kevin and I and my 
and my son Ryan and Peyton, his girlfriend, um, you know, had a little birthday spread out um, and we celebrated my mom's birthday and there's flowers and I can picture the little lights and the sign that, you know, the little whiteboard sign I'd written up for her and we took pictures. Um, and so we went to bed that evening and um, about 2 30 to 2.30 in the morning, um, I hear a knock on the door. And so I, I roused Kevin and just said, there's a knock at the door. And so we get out of bed and um, we come out of our bedroom door and it's an open landing. So you can see down to our door um, and it has two side panels that are our window panels on the either side of our door. And our porch light is on at night. So I can see, as standing at the top of the landing, that I can see a yellow badge on a shoulder um, in, the, in the window. So we, we go down to the door. And um, Kevin opened the door. And I stood behind him. And the officer said... Somehow, do you know? I, I don't remember what it was. All I heard was Natalie Repkowski. And, and I, I don't even know if he said there was an accident. All I heard was Natalie Repkowski. And I knew the drill. And I just, I dropped. I, I dropped on the threshold of halfway in the doorway and halfway in the house and was screaming, no, um, scream, screaming, no, over and over and over again. Um, uh, my son ended up hearing, I, I'm assuming, my screams. And he came down, um, his girlfriend came down um, and had to hear me screaming. I don't, somehow they picked me up off the floor and took me into the living room um, where um, the officer told us about the rain, about the, the hydroplaning or, I or actually that officer did not. He gave us the information of an officer in Virginia and we ended up having to call. Um, I guess the other, the other heart wrenching part of, of that was that my mom was upstairs still in her room. And so, uh, so we had to process Ryan and me and Kevin's and Peyton and then have to go up and tell my mom and wake her out of sleep at 2 o'clock, 2.30 in the morning to tell her Natalie was gone. Um, so that was heart-wrenching to see her in that pain. And then we all came downstairs and uh, decided how we were going to tell Amanda. Um, Amanda's across the bridge, um, across the Bay Bridge, so about 45 minutes away. So, um, so all five of us got into a car, into our car, and we drove 
to Amanda's house. Um, uh, she was uh, with Ryan. Um, and so uh, we knock on their door at 3.30 a.m. And, um, of course, Ryan, her Ryan, we have a my Ryan, and we have Amanda's husband as Ryan. And the ironic thing is both of them are Ryan Joseph. So, um, so her Ryan answers the door, um, disheveled at 3.30 in the morning, and, and what the heck? Um, and here comes Amanda behind him. And, um, and like Kevin to having to tell Ingrid, um, me having to tell Amanda that Natalie was, was dead. Um, I, there, there was a poignant moment when she just came and hugged me. Gavin was next to me, but my son was right behind me. And, um, my son wrapped his arms around Amanda and I, and I, at that moment, it, the reality of that hug, that embrace was, um, poignant and that I, it was, it was what was going to be from now on, that there was someone missing and that it would never be like it was before. Um, so, so that's, that's, that's my, that's my tale. Thank you, Sharon, for sharing that. I'm, I'm upset too. That's so painful. And uh, thank you for your strength, both of you, for your strength in sharing such, there are no words. It, there really are no words. And knowing how recent it has been for you, Sharon, and your family, all of you, thank you for giving those details I'm sure that was very difficult for you as well, and talking about it. The family unit piece is just so important. And for our listeners also to understand how, how it just affects so much more than each one of us. And how we have to, the rest of our lives, there's the... The, the holidays and the anniversaries and the everything else and it, how it continues to affect us, right? And everything goes from starting with us, with you personally, and then it kind of trickles out to your children and your parents and your loved ones. And this is something that compounds our grief. And it is something that, again, we can't just toss aside and say, all right, get back into your life, you know, stay busy, stay busy so you don't feel it, and things like that, those myths that we've all been told, this is real, this is raw, this is the truest truth and experience of loss that I have ever heard spoken and as you well know, 
I've had that family loss myself. So when you say the words, boy, does it resonate? Boy, does it make me want to get on the floor and and be in that fetal position? It's that kind of raw pain that is is real and it's always there. And it does ease over time, but it doesn't, you don't move forward. You don't really, it never ends. And it's very real. And that's, that story, your stories, wow. Thank you. <sighs> We're taking a deep breath pause. We're listening to Kevin and Sharon Amos' story, their journey through the loss of two of their adult children in separate accidents at separate times. So far, they've shared the stories of those heart-wrenching moments that are always right there under the surface of their thoughts, and how they've supported one another through their losses, one as recent as nine months ago. We'll pick up now as they talk about ways they are carrying on their memories of Dan and Natalie through their own stories as well as those shared by others. Their raw truth through their pain and in their hope is remarkable. Let's listen now. Um, I want to, I want to acknowledge your shirts because one really important piece of the loss of our loved ones is remembering them and having rituals and the love is always in our hearts and souls. So tell me a little bit about your shirts, what they say and what that means. Our shirts, we're wearing shirts that say together or not at all. And uh, the story is that um, when Dan and Kayla had, when we had the, the memorial service for Dan and Kayla at their church, one of their youth pastors who knew Dan really well got up and told a story about Dan. And uh, Dan and Kayla had recently been married. Um, and the youth pastor was saying to Dan, go on home, be with your new wife. We'll finish up here. You know, you you got better places to be. And And my son basically said, are we finished? And he's like, no, we're not finished. Then he said, I'm not going anywhere until we're finished together or not at all. You know what? And it kind of became a motto, a motto, a motto. So we, we, we latched onto that as, as just one of many examples of the character of, of Dan and, 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 uh, just the person he was. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love that. And it carries on that moment will always live through you through that and it's so important and it's sort of it's sort of a, a little bit of a ritual and remembrance which is really important to have and so needed you know and continuing to have conversations about them and the joys that they brought to you well we love talking about them so if if we're out there wearing a shirt you know helping somebody move if we're out at an event somewhere uh, and we're wearing our shirts, you know, it gives us, it gives us an opportunity to say, to answer the question, what does that mean? And then we get to talk about our kids. So, and uh, more importantly than talking about 
Dan and Kayla and Natalie. It's We also get a chance to talk about what they represented. And we can go beyond just the people, the wonderful people that they were. But we can also talk about their values and, and their beliefs. And um, it's actually an opportunity to, to, to share so much deeper than than just let me tell you about my son or my, my daughter who, who passed away. Let me tell you about the great things they stood for, the great things they believed, the great things they did while they were still here. So it's a wonderful opportunity to start a great conversation. Absolutely. I love that. And I love that that is how you put it. It's a conversation starter. And it's so important that you do tell the stories and that we keep them alive in our hearts. That is it. That is that is crucial. That 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 is absolutely 100% accurate. Yes. It yes. really is. Through the work that I've done, I have people when they first lose someone, one of the first things that comes up for them is they'll say, "What if I forget them? What if I forget her? What if I forget him?" And in it sounds like what? You know, but when you're thinking you start going there and you start thinking in 10 years from now, in 20 years from now, will I remember my sister? Will I remember my father? Because you start thinking about all the years that are going to go by without them. And what you shared just now is there's no way, and I say this to people, you will never forget them. You will never forget them. And so take that fear out of your mind. And, and it's because of what you're saying. We always continue to talk about them and bring them into our lives. And so by you, what you just shared, would you want to each share a story, one about Dan and one about Natalie? Is that something that you'd be comfortable with? Sure. You want me to go first? <laughs> oh, I was hoping you'd go first. So mm-hmm. I'd have time to remember, mm-hmm. remember one that I want to, that I want to share. Um, Dan, Dan. Okay. <laughs> I can go first if you this, want me to go first. This makes me laugh, and it's probably not even... All right, so let me tell you this story. There's a million stories. I I don't know why this one came to mind, but but anyway, I, I love sports, and my favorite sport is football, and I love music. So I was raising Daniel to also love sports, hopefully football, and, and music. And so I, I got him involved in, like, peewee football for a while. And I could kind of see that maybe sports wasn't going to be his thing. And, and later on, it was evident that music was his thing. He, Like I said, he was playing guitar for a living, getting paid to do what he loved, and, and he was an awesome musician. But while I was trying to help him be a football player, in my mind, I wanted to be a football player, I can remember he just wasn't aggressive enough. So one day, we're in the backyard... And he's in his all of his football gear, shoulder pads, helmet. And I took duct tape and I duct taped pillow cushions, pillow from the couch cushions. I duct taped them all around my body, you know, and I'm standing in the yard and I'm yelling, come on, hit me, knock me down. And he's running and he's bumping into me and I'm like, that didn't get it. You got to knock me down. And he's backing up and he's running, he's growling and he's banging into me and with my pillows all around me and. I'm like, you've got to put me on the ground, son. Put me on the ground. And he's like, ah, and he's running, he's hitting me. And 
Oh, so that's such a hilarious memory. But um, he uh, he didn't have that that uh, drive, let's say, uh, for sports. And as much as I hated soccer, he fell in love with soccer. So there you go. I, I teach him everything to be a great football player. And, and how does he thank me? He turns out he loves soccer and he played indoor soccer and he was a goalie and but he really thrived in music. He, if I could just tag on to that real quickly, to then to describe his passion of music, he was in a band that was not that good, but they were okay. And they went to a Battle of the Bands competition, and he's the drummer at this point. There's about five bands, they don't win, but the band that wins the Battle of the Bands competition approaches my 14-year-old son and says, we're losing our drummer. Will you please be our drummer? So at 14, these 20-year-olds are asking this, this kid to be their drummer, and they're an awesome band, and they travel up and down the East Coast. I look at my wife, then um, um, my ex-wife Ingrid, and we're like, what do we always say? Follow your passion. We have to encourage him to follow his passion. So when he asks us, can I join this band and be their drummer? Oh, and by the way, they're out of West Virginia and just driving me to rehearsals will be like a three-hour drive where they will meet us halfway. The band was like, we'll meet you halfway just to pick them up and bring them to our studios to rehearse and everything. So at 14, my, my wife, ex-wife and I are taking turns driving him uh, halfway to West Virginia so he can get be involved in this band. And, and then his gifts grew and developed and were nurtured with these guys who taught him everything he needed to know. And uh, on top of what I was, you know, teaching him how to, how to play the guitar. And eventually, again, he wound up doing what he loved for a living, playing guitar and getting paid to do so. That is beautiful. I love that story. I love it. And it's, there's something just really interesting about how so many things happened to him young, yeah. right? It, it, yeah. As if, I don't know, it's just so, I don't want to say it, but it, it's, it is so interesting how he just, he lived in the moment, he did what he wanted to do, he had passion and compassion around those things, and that's just so beautiful. Yeah. And like I said earlier, all, all his friends came to him for advice. He was mature, wise beyond his years. They, they came to him. You're welcome. All right. And for, and for Natalie, um, I guess uh, two different things that I just wanna, wanted to share that were special um, with Natalie. Natalie and I share a birthday. So we share, and our birthday is a special day. It's St. Patrick's Day. So, so it's always, um, it was always a joy for her and um, special to me. Um, I always told her she was my best birthday present ever, um, you know, showing up at her school wearing, you know, the, the Mad Hatter's green kind of leprechaun hat, and, um, you know, giving out green ice, 
ice cream um, cones and things for for her birthdays, um, and we all we always celebrated um, St. Patrick's Day in Baltimore. They have a, a big St. Patrick's Day parade, um, and my family always gathered. Um, because my brother was also a Baltimore City police officer on the mounted unit. So he was mounted unit and, and motorcycles, um, this uh, motorcycle unit. So we would all be decked out in our green and um, sitting on the side supporting my our brother in the police department and then um, celebrating our birthdays. So that's such a, a special thing. And I guess the other part um, is is to share, just like Kevin um, with the no, the together not at all. Hearing that story at the memorial, you know, we had we we didn't never had we had never heard that before, and how what an impact it was to hear how um, his his community where he was his life, how they you know um, revered him and and honored him and and looked up to Dan and Kayla um and then for Natalie when we had we had two services a service up here in Maryland and then one down she worked um at the um uh, Woodrow Wilson Presidential Library down in Stanton Virginia and um and we did it on their grounds um a second service and to hear the the impact that she had in the community, you know, I knew, you know, the heart that Natalie had, um, the compassion for people, the acceptance and the love that she shared and showed um, others. But when you're, I don't know that I realized the impact that she had in her community until we were there and we heard some friends speak, some, some, um, colleagues from her college um, come and speak and to hear that um, and to know I guess that's the the part that was so heartwarming was to know that she found her place where she belonged that that was exactly where God intended her to um, go to college and end up finding her life and finding her friends and finding her community. Um, that she had such an impact there um, with those people um, and in that community. I think that that just stands out as as so lovely to this mama's heart. Yes, and that is so lovely, so lovely. To know that we can go to our own daughter, son's, family member's funeral and still not even know the depth of what they've done for others, right? We can't know all of those things. And then when you hear it like that, wow. And it is such, you know, you as parents and how you've, you know, nurtured them in this world and your stories around the times with them is just so touching and so important. You know, we're on this planet to be good people and raise our children and nurture them and let them go off and be who they are. And it's like you are just, that's really what you've done, which is is just so, so amazing and honorable. So thank you for that. I want to ask to... 
I know that through loss, we have to find those support systems, right? And sometimes it's right within your own family. And sometimes it's support systems, people, communities, colleagues, friends. And sometimes it's strangers that we never even knew that come into our lives at those right times. Tell me a little bit about your journeys through the supports, the support system, and if you've sought out your own support. For me, we went, uh, Sharon came with me after Dan and Caleb died to a uh, group grief counseling session, but uh, we arrived in the middle of their um, schedule and they were already, you know, it's been, it's been like two months, right? And, and they were already, we sit down and they start talking about, so now how can we help others? You know, let's go around and talk about how we can help other people um, learn from what they've gone through. And I look at Sharon and I'm like, nope, uh, this isn't going to work. Not the right timing. <laughs> Bad timing. Uh, uh, so, <clears throat> personally, I tell you what, the honest answer is I haven't found the support group um, and or counselor that I feel I might need. Um, I've been to about three different individual one-on-one counseling type counseling sessions. Um, I break them off. I don't stick with them. I, I don't know what it is, but if not for Sharon, I think I'd I'd be in a ditch. So if not for if not for Sharon and of course my faith in in Jesus Christ, I'd be in a ditch. But unfortunately, I think, honey, I've relied on you too much, and talked to you too much, and I think it's I think um, <clears throat> I haven't no, found I, a outside source yet. I've I have some good friends. I'm sorry to cut you off. I, I have I have some good friends. Uh, as my friend Bill. Uh, friend Mike, um, talk to them. But anyway, you were saying, um, you know, God's God's provision. When I in the beginning of our story, when I said that you know we were we met in March and we were mar- we were engaged in May and married in December, um, which went contrary to both who we are as people and what our past had been and how we planned and how we did things. Um, I know, and after Dan, after Dan and Kayla were killed, I knew that I was I was placed perfect timing and things progressed exactly that they needed to progress because I needed to be there for Kevin. It was, that is, that was, that was the timing and that was what, what, what needed to happen. Um, and in, um, after Dan and Kayla, you know, we, we were, you know, we're very, honest and raw with each other with what we're feeling um when it's not politically correct to say things that we say you know about the the about the loss about losing a child and 
um, the ramifications that we that come from that in so many aspects of of life. It's so, like a safe zone. We can be is. brutal. We can say things in a brutal fashion that somebody else would look at you and say, "How could you say that?" Well, with with each other, we can say it. And then I know that um, after when we lost Natalie, you know, it's it's Kevin who who where he you know who better to know my pain than my husband who's who's also had the loss and we look at each other we have we have the most beautiful wedding photo um above our mantle place um and it is um we had a a, one of my daughter uh, amanda's friends had a very fancy camera and she's not a photographer but she happened to be taking pictures that day for us and she happened to to get this picture of us on a pier um with sun shining down on us and it is the all of us um dan and kayla were on the left my daughter amanda was next um it was me and kevin in the middle um, it was Jess and Justin, her husband, uh, to the right, my son, Ryan, and then my daughter, Natalie, and then Natalie. So that picture is the most perfect picture ever. Um, if there was anything that I had to take out of this house and run in an emergency, I would grab that photo that's on a big canvas and I would take it. That's what I would grab and go. Um, it just, um, looking at that photo and, and seeing that two people from the left side are gone and one person from the right side is gone. And I see what's, what's left in the middle. And, um, and Kevin and I are, are each other's best support. Um, I, I've recently started a counseling, uh, so that's new. I do like the lady who I'm going to. Um, and so I'm, I'm hopeful that that will help with the processing all of the different feelings that I have. Um, but being in this journey with Kevin and, and, um, I know it's a long journey, and I know um, how hard it has been for Kevin to, because I know how hard it was for me to watch Kevin go through that pain. And I didn't even have the real understanding of the pain that he was feeling. For him to watch me go through this pain, I know is completely agonizing to him. And um, and where he said he's relied too heavily on me. Again, I have to say I've relied mm. too heavily on him um, for he has done all of the all of the funeral home, um, you know, all the logistical things and things that you have to do with insurance and and IRS and taxes and you know all the things that you have to do with a dead child. It I. Um, he's the one who's done 98% of that. The other 2%, it's me that has to sign the document because I 
am the survivor of, of Natalie since she was not married. And, you know, um, so um, it is, I guess, for us, we are each other's best counsel along with, again, our prayer life and relying on our faith and knowing that we will get through this together. Or not at all. <laughs> Hence our shirts. I know. I know. Wow. That was so beautifully said. And just knowing that, you know, you both said each other, you and each other have been your best supporters. And I, I hear you, Sharon, with that picture and how you were brought together and March is a significant month, it seems. You met in March, your birthday is with Natalie, and you are in that month. There's something really enlightening that we can't even explain beyond spirituality and, and our God. And I love, I love that, you know. I ask the support question a lot because it's so important that we find some sense of support because we can't do it alone, but it is very difficult to find. And the story that you shared about going to that group soon after Dan and Kayla died, you know, as soon as you said what they said, okay, let's talk about how we can support each other. You were not there. You were hardly able to support each other yourselves or get up off the floor to go into this group, right? And that those are such incredibly important things for the listeners to hear because we have to really understand the the compounding factor of grief and loss and time. I would I would like to add that I don't I don't I don't endorse or encourage or even recommend maybe back, I don't know what I'm trying to say I'm sorry backing up a little bit for a husband and a wife to lean on each other so heavily over such a tragic uh, course of events to me seems like a death sentence for the marriage so what I'm what I'm trying to say is it might not be for everyone you know, if someone's listening to this and they, and they they think that the number one choice and the number one way to go is, oh, I'm going to lean on my wife. I don't know that I want that to necessarily be the message. It's because I think we have something special and unique. We've both been through the worst thing that could ever happen to anybody. Um, but I, I do want to say that professional counseling. That, that's why I haven't given up either. She's now seeing somebody. I'm now seeing somebody again. I'll give it my you know 12th try and see if I click and I can stick with it and things can start working because you do have to have a an outlet somehow, somewhere. Um, you can't say everything that ever comes through your mind to your spouse. That probably wouldn't, wouldn't work out too well. So uh, I just don't want to leave the audience thinking that, oh, all I got to do is talk to my wife about what I'm going through. That that might not be the number one thing you try. It's just what kind of happened for us. 
Does that make any sense? Please clarify what I'm saying if you can maybe word it better than I can. That was so perfectly said, and I love that you're so aware to share that back out to the audience. Your story is that you found each other and it's and it's worked that way. Where every single person's story is different and how we handle our grief is different and relationships exactly. and what's going on in our lives and all of those things play into all of it. So your story is your story and it's your real truth. Somebody else will not have that same story. So just expressing that is beautiful and, and a good thing to share with the audience. But right, it doesn't mean you're broken if your wife or husband can't be that. It just doesn't all happen that way. And I think that early on, Sharon, you expressed that you you didn't even know the depth of what Kevin had gone through even though you were with him, going through it with him, you couldn't even understand the depth until it happened to you, losing your daughter. And that's another piece of it, a piece of the puzzle that people don't understand. Like we can't really actually feel the depth of other people's pain. And so it's important to, that's why we're doing what we're doing. That's why we're talking today. And this is so important. This is so important to, to hear and understand. And I know for me, I um, will look for podcasts. I've looked on TED Talks on, on loss and on um, child loss. I, you know, I look for um, articles and, and um, you know, scripture things I'll, I'll go to and sermons. Um, so those things speak to my heart. And a lot of days they are, I'm either, you know, sobbing, listening to them, um, or I am feeling um, lifted and supported by listening to them. Uh, so I know for me, that is, um, has been an important thing in this short journey um, of the nine months. Um, I know it's helped me. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. There's so many things just swirling in my head. Whew. But what I want to do is if there's anything else that's coming up for you that you want to share that maybe I didn't cover that you would like to say, let me know now and we can do that. And then we'll kind of close this out with something you'd like to say to Natalie and Dan. I would like to maybe just share with everyone about the pain. For the for the longest time, for years, and and, and even now, I associate the pain with not losing my son. It's like I, I yearn for the pain because somehow the pain connects me to Dan, which somehow keeps him in the forefront of my life and of my mind and of my thoughts. And, I, and I, I'm not saying that that's proper 
I'm not saying that's healthy, but I just want to be honest with anybody who might be listening and, and, and if, so they don't feel like they're alone in that or that that's unusual. For me, the pain was the staying connected. I didn't want to get over it. I didn't want to get better. I didn't, don't tell me that it's been long enough. Don't tell me that on a certain timeline, you shouldn't feel any pain anymore because the pain kept me connected to, to me, to me. And again, I repeat, that's probably not healthy, but I don't want anybody else out there who might be feeling that way to think that that's an unusual feeling. It, if the last thing you remember is the pain, then that's the last thing I wanted to get rid of was the pain. I don't, I don't want to get rid of the pain. That's, that was the last most closest thing I felt in regard to when he was still alive. You know what I'm saying? So, so if anybody else out there, you're not alone. If for some reason you desire to, to, to continue to be reminded of that pain because somehow it makes you feel closer or more connected. And, but I, I also can, um, I can also relate to that exact same feeling, um, where I am feeling, I had the blessing to, we had the blessing to have her home that day. We saw her, we hugged her, we, uh, you know, had dinner together, you know, so we had that day um, together. And that is, uh, you know, a great blessing. Um, and so I have that part of the, of the joy along with, you know, 2 a.m. knock on the door grief. So I have those two things almost that go together simultaneously for me. Um, you know, Dan had lived in, was living in Southern Maryland with Kayla. And so, you know, there was a distance between us and, you know, newlyweds and, and um, you know, us living our lives um, where we were. So it wasn't, um, you know, we had not seen them for a little bit of time um, prior to, to their, to the accident. Um, so I, even, even I can relate to that staying connected, wanting to feel that pain because that's part of, part of the connection to your, to your child. It, it, I understand it. It's hard to explain. And I, and I repeat, it's probably not something worth pursuing or perpetuating. It's, it's not, it's not a thing to do, but I just, I want to be honest and say, it's something I, I'm dealing with that I, I'm struggling with. Yeah, I love your honesty. It's raw. It's truth. It is your truth. And I will say as a losing a sister young, I journaled. That was part of how I kind of released some of my sadness. And it was safe because it was just me putting words on paper that I didn't really feel comfortable telling other people. 
And going back in that journal, the whole first year or two, I would just say, please, God, take away this pain. I just don't think I can get through another day with this pain, with this pain, with this pain. And all of a sudden, my journal started shifting into, I don't, I I got through a whole week and I didn't cry. And then I started saying, please, God, don't take this pain away. I don't want to forget her. So what you just shared so resonated for me, and I'm sure resonates for others who have had loss. Again, it's not either or, it's always yes and. It's always, it can be both. It can be a little of, of, it could be nothing like you've described today. It could be everything like you've described today. There's no right or wrong with grief, you know? And so I think that that's, that message to me Listening to you and you sharing what you're sharing has really, I feel like it's really going to open the eyes and the hearts of other people to understand it. Your words have been just so truthful and real and raw. So thank you. And if there's anything else that you're thinking, you know what, this one other thing might help, please, please bring it up now. And if you want to give a message to your children, open that up now, or you don't have to, whatever you're comfortable with. What do you think? Nothing comes to mind specifically to add. Message? Message. I think... To Natalie... So, for me, the message to Natalie, um, but I talk to her every day. Um, I, I talk to her every day. So, she, I'm sure she hears everything that I have to say. Um, so, I guess just to reiterate how much she was loved... And how special she was as an individual. And what a beautiful legacy she, she left in, in her community with, um, with those who, who um, you know, she ended up sharing her life with where she was. Um, just how how beautiful um, she was to them. And we, of course, she always was to us, but to let her know that um, she made a difference. Yeah, I would like, I would like to say that um, we, we played a song at her memorial service called Life is Beautiful. And I would, I would just like to you know, tell Natalie that we, we see it, we see now how beautifully you lived your life and we know now how wonderfully giving and sacrificial and loving you were we we that we hadn't seen we knew about your character but we want you to know that we know 
beyond a shadow of a doubt that you lived your life beautifully, just beautifully. And, and, and it was never more evident than in the services that we got to, to talk to with the friends and, and coworkers and, and, and just find out just how beautifully and wonderfully she was doing. And I want her to know that we know. I want her to know that I know. Right. And I want Dan to know that I took his guitar. <laughs> his favorite, and, and I, shiny I, guitar. I took his uh, guitar effects pedals. And uh, I brushed up on my uh, guitar playing skills. And I think that he'd be very proud of how far I've come uh, using him as, as a motivation to say, how do you work all this junk? And how do you get it to sound right? And, and how do I use this stupid pedal? But it's got to be worth something because he had it. And if he was using it, I'm going to use it. So, Dan, um, I'm using your guitar pedals. Uh, I'm using your guitar. Um, leading worship. Uh, kind of following in your footsteps, son. So, uh, look who's following who now. You know, you're following in my footsteps. Now I'm following in yours. Oh, I love that. I love that. So, Kevin and Sharon, I know that your story and your pain and your love and your family and your hope and your faith will all resonate for so many people who are listening today. And I just want to say, oh, I wish that I was in the same room as you and we could just hug each other. You're such beautiful people that I admire. And I admire your honesty and your openness and your generosity of spirit to share this with me and be brave enough and courageous enough so early on and really this will help others. I know it will. So thank you for that. Thank you so much. Oh, our pleasure. Thank you for listening to Giving Grief a Voice with Maureen Desmond. We hope you'll follow our monthly program on Apple Podcasts or on any of your favorite pod platforms. And be sure to visit us on givinggriefavoice.org, on Facebook and Twitter for links to materials referenced in this episode. Also, you can help us grow our audience by leaving a thoughtful review. Remember, if you or someone you know needs grief coaching or consulting, Maureen is here to help. We'll see you next time.